Coming to theaters January 26th. Left Behind. Rise of the Antichrist. Was it the rapture? Yes. I saw it happen. After millions of people vanish and the world falls into chaos, a charismatic leader rises to become head of the United Nations. How do we know who we can trust? Trust God. Starring Kevin Sorbo, Neil McDonough, and Corbin Burnson. Left Behind, Rise of the Antichrist. This film is not rated but suitable for ages 13 and up in theaters for four days only beginning January 26th. Go to leftbehindmovie.com. You're listening to Kevin McCullough Radio, breaking news as it happens, what it means, and why it matters. An enormously important show today, uh, before we're done. Uh, and we're going to talk uh, about not only a, a job possibility and career option for you, but we're also going to uh, break down some very big issues facing women in the uh, year 2023 and the public in general. And we've got a all-star lineup to stay here, so don't go anywhere. Something interesting is happening with this. Kevin McCullough, let me start with you. I found this thing at townhall.com by Kevin McCullough. The big dog has come out of nowhere. Kevin McCullough. I just want to help people think. Nationally syndicated radio host and author of No He Can't. He is playing the role. As, uh, as well as anybody could. Kevin McCullough is a nationally syndicated radio host and author of No He Can't. The odds are he's right. It's Kevin McCullough Radio. Very happy, by the way, to have Kristen B. Tate back on the show today. She's been off a few weeks. Uh, and Kelsey Bowler is back with us. And the extraordinary thing about these women that take their time and help us think through these uh, policy issues is that they, they are moms in the midst of growing families. Kelsey's on her third pregnancy in the last uh, few years, and yet she continues to fight the fight strongly and energetically, and I'm so grateful that they are willing to take the time to keep us informed. Another one of those moms that's doing a great job is Margot Cleveland. She's at The Federalist. She's their senior legal correspondent, also a contributor to National Review Online and The Washington Examiner. Uh, but she uh, watches some of the issues that you don't, and then she helps us understand them uh, kind of in a uh, everyday uh, sort of sense. And, Margot, it's always a pleasure to have you. By the way, Happy New Year. I don't think we've spoken since the calendar flipped over. We haven't. Happy New Year to you as well. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, let's talk about kind of your sense. Uh, I mean, and you really do focus on on some of the most important kind of legal things, and, and you oftentimes catch things that are in the fine print that nobody else does. And I'm just curious, between Document Gate and I don't know what is going on with Hunter's rental agreements with his family, and if they're <laughs> laundering money, 49000 a month in rent, who does that? I mean... I know some really wealthy people here in New York City. I don't think that billionaires billionaires whose kids could probably afford it would charge their kids $49,000 a month in rent. So ah, there's just something that seems off about that. But you not only have those issues, you've got all of the investigations that the Republicans who ran for office pledged to investigate while they were campaigning. And uh, it's 2023. They're, they're starting the agenda. Kevin McCarthy has his leadership team in place. They have followed through on some promises early on. Um, but do they run the risk of the public becoming bored or disengaged uh, because there's so many rabbit trails to chase down in these things? You, you often are the one, uh, you know, in, in writing, chasing some of these rabbit trails and getting the real fine print out there. But what's the danger for Republicans here in 2023 as it relates to all of this legal stuff? 
Absolutely. So Kevin, I think that there's kind of a twofold danger here. One is the public is bored. And two, that the public sees this as a partisan witch hunt. And I think that the solution for both of those is to be very clear and focused on what you're investigating. And there is a lot that justifies it. And earlier this week, I had an article that was talking about we're not investigating Hunter. We're investigating solid evidence of misconduct. And I want to kind of break it into what the three buckets are that I see as far as new investigations, because we still have the whole Spygate Durham report to come, which hopefully will expose a lot of the problems, even if there's no convictions. But we obviously have the classified documents, which I'm going to keep that as a a separate bucket because that's uh, pretty self-contained. But then we have the censorship at Twitter and we have the Biden family uh, laundry, for lack of a better term. (laughs) That's that's a a great term. Yes. Yes. So of those, I really think that the Twitter censorship is the one that's the cleanest. And when I say the cleanest, there's a lot of censorship that was going on. But that the part that the oversight committee should be most concerned about is the FBI lying to Twitter and Facebook and who knows how, who else, that this story of the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. And the reason for that is it's not just a scandal about Hunter and the media, but more so it is a scandal about the FBI and the intelligence community. The complicit deep state. Exactly. So I hope that when the House is doing the committee and the hearings and what they are looking for, they stay focused and maybe even just do weekly talking points of why this matters and keep it focused. What is your assessment of how those committees look, particularly judiciary and oversight? And what, what, how does that change your hopes or anticipations for what they do? Well, I think that the committees so far look very solid and you have obviously Jim Jordan is excellent for heading up the subcommittee on the weaponization. It's very easy to get sidetracked with the media and also to get overwhelmed with the details here. Well, let's go back to the documents for a second. This is, you know, they took one picture of some folders on the floor in the vault at Mar-a-Lago where, where everything was stored according to National Archive and Secret Service protocol. In fact, they added locks and, you know, additional security measures because the archives and Secret Service had said you need to do that. Um, how it, it's it's mind boggling the the hypocrisy and double standard that you could have file boxes literally sitting in grease spots in uh, Biden's garage next to his Corvette, the Corvette he likes to take out and show off all the time. In the same house where this compromised kid who's paying $49,000 in rent a month, uh, China has his uh, number, uh, Iran has his number, Russia has his number, Ukraine has his number. It see, th- this, this seems like such a bigger deal, and that's just one location. We don't know what was in the McLean, Virginia house, for example, or the, uh, the other house in Delaware. We just know of the one so far. Um, right. What's your reaction to where this is all going? So I I guess a couple points. When the story first broke, I was just laughing hysterically because the the Biden administration 
push themselves into this corner by creating yep. this fake scandal about Trump. And as far as all the points you make, I think they're absolutely true that there's the compromise, they're not safe. I frankly don't think that they, you know, anyone was booting for for the classified information. I think much dangerous is who had the information on the laptop that Hunter thought the Russians yeah. had. I think there's a lot more that's dangerous out there. But one thing has kind of made me take it a little bit more seriously, and that is that Biden and his folks have not downplayed what the documents were. They yeah. didn't say, oh, these were, you know, things are always overclassified. These were travel itineraries. Yeah. No, in fact, matter. he sent his attorneys to go look through them, it not is, clerks or anybody else. Yep, exactly. Which is another question of why was it attorneys? And I kind of have two theories there that maybe the attorney, U.S. attorney investigating Hunter subpoenaed some documents. So, of course, they're going to have attorneys go and look for the documents. And when uh -huh. they come up come classified, they can't just you know, shred them because they're going to have to sign under oath that we've searched, we've turned over documents, etc. Or it could be that someone related to the Penn Center, just an admin person saw them and because Mar-a-Lago was all over the news, they knew how you know important this was. And, you know, they call their boss and the boss's boss called Biden's attorneys and that's how they end up there. But we haven't given we haven't been given any context of what was in these documents other than leaks saying, yeah, they dealt with Ukraine, which to me, again, that's telling. Why would Biden's folks leak that? It had to be Biden's folks that were leaking that it dealt with Ukraine. It was to you know, kind of soften up the public. So when it comes out what the documents were, it's not going to be as bad. And so, Lest we forget, mm -hmm. they latched Trump to an impeachment based on Ukraine. And to this oh, yeah. day, most of the American people didn't understand what that was all about. Margot Cleveland, exactly. you're doing such good work at The Federalist. Uh, her latest piece, by enabling leftist misinformation, Twitter helped Democrats and their media allies peddle another Russia hoax. Go read it. And, uh, Margot, thanks for your work here. Thanks for being with us. Oh, thanks so much, Kevin. Chat you soon. got it. You got to read her. She's she's one of the most important minds in America. All right, coming up, Kelsey Bowler joins me next. You're not going to believe what they want to do with your children. Stay here.